In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 391. That's right. We are marching ever closer to 400. Are we Are we doing anything for 400? I don't know. We probably should start thinking about it soon. Uh, but I, as the honest answer is, of course, we, we have nothing special pre-planned on the docket that we knew we were doing for episode 400. So when when will we when will we be theoretically that's hitting what that? I was, if, I was actually just going to say that. Let's let's let let let's all play. Look at the calendar, for listeners. <laughs> so we're, we're, today is the nineteenth of February. So obviously three ninety one comes out this week, ideally. So what ninety two ninety three is the week of my birthday. The twenty fourth of April. Yes. It would appear April 24th would be the uh, t- the tentative target date because that means under the pretense we don't miss a week between now and then, which is also it's at the earliest, assuming there's no uh, no spinoffs. That is true too, barring us skipping a week and or having a, and there should be at least one spinoff because because I'm gonna do everything I can to stick to the original projected deadline of doing a rebirth of doing a pre-birth and having that come out in March. So, okay. so probably... So, we, so the first Yes, end. probably, realistically, probably the, the first week in May would be... The first, the first day of May. May Day would be where it's likely. Still could be later, but it doesn't... It's probably realistically not going to be before May. All right, so start getting your ideas in now, folks, of stuff you'd like to hear. Otherwise, you're probably just going to get the usual compilation catch-up episode with uh, friends, family, and listeners. <laughs> uh, because that's usually what happens on big anniversary episodes anyways. All right, so what are we doing tonight? We are doing – we're going to do our post-release Birds of Prey talk. And then we're going to do – God, I hate to say this – because I hate the term Green Lantern Season Two Number One, <laughs> uh, which will probably be a relatively brief recap because the main story is pretty straightforward. As straightforward as Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that that pretty much sums it up. It, you're even in. Even in straightforward Grant Morrison stories, there's there's still enough stuff that that make you, that could make you spend 
at least 15 to 20 minutes just throwing names out into Google to see to see what you know what gives you a hit. Uh, so it's never it's never stra- that straightforward. But the actual plot of the issue and what's going on is pretty. Where it begins, where it ends is relatively linear for Mr. Morrison. For sure. So birds of prey. Uh, what would you think? I didn't like it compared to the way you liked it. That's <laughs> it's it. <laughs> if we're gonna, the best way to just, I said this to a friend of mine before before I go into any specifics here. This sums up my feelings when I watch Birds of Prey. What I, I watch Birds of Prey, and I'm like 90% sure I didn't fall asleep on it, but I can't 100% tell you that I didn't. That's kind of what that movie was to me. It's like I was there. And I'm pretty sure I was awake for all of it, but yet it registered so little with me that it really, it, me being awake didn't help because of the fact that it didn't impact me. It is it is the quintessential movie on my monkey crap list, which is a movie that I cared nothing about, had no interest to see, I had no passion about the project, and if the and if the project had never seen the light of day, I wouldn't be impacted in the least. So this is my quintessential. That's why I was on my monkey crap list, and so far it is cont- it is the contender for the monkey crap of the year award, which I guess this will be the first year we can give those away since we'll be doing a year in review at the end of the year now. Um, so it, it it wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible. I don't think it was great. I think it was. It's it tried to be too many things. It wanted to be Deadpool, but it wasn't. It I, the whole Huntress is barely in the movie, so I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and I don't know. It just it didn't re, it didn't resonate for me. It's like Ewan McGregor was good because Ewan McGregor is good in, in everything. It's nothing to do with Margot Robbie's performance, but whether we whether we really needed a a Harley Quinn spin-off movie, which this movie really was, and as they they realized retroactively, not that I think it affected the box office at all, that they should have just named the movie, put Harley Quinn right at the top of the title, instead of that ridiculous title that they had, which was way too cute. It was like, ha, 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 we have a really unique t- title, but it didn't, that, that was stupid. It was a stupid title. It was a long title. It The trailers were not good. The marketing is what failed this movie, as we'll probably talk about in a little more detail about what why we think it did what it did, but those are my those were my initial thoughts on it. On my summary, summarizing my thoughts, I should say. Um, I liked it better than Suicide Squad. Uh, and uh, after I got out of the theater, I downloaded the soundtrack. So I don't know if that still tells you about anything. Those are just the facts of the situation. Um, I could say this movie has three problems for me the first bit being less of a focus on birds of prey and more on harley quinn but that's not really fair because that was not the goal of the movie obviously so i can only fault it for what it what what did happen in the film so uh i'm not going to say it was too much harley quinn because that was clearly their intent but anyways so the two problems i had with it the main one is i did not like the the layout the the uh, the way the the movie went and in, in, insofar as they really overdid the whole 
here's this character. Oh, here's 15 minutes of their backstory. Now, continue with the story. Oh, here's this character. Here's 15 minutes of their backstory. That that whole thing got old fast. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know it, what better way I would have liked them to do it. Maybe just tell the story linearly. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, whatever. I didn't, I didn't like it. It didn't sit well with me. Uh, I, maybe that's just preference. But I just, I didn't like the way that was done. And my second thing I didn't like, which was to a much, much less uh, extent, because I kind of get why they did it, but uh, I was sort of irritated that we only got um, uh, Dinah to scream once. <laughs> I was waiting for it the whole movie, and obviously it came in at a good time, but uh, I, you know, it was sort of irritating that we only got it the one time. I mean, I, I do get why we got it, you know. It's a whole female empowerment thing, badass women, you know, and plus Canary can handle herself anyways. So up until that point, it's not like she was really, you know, really, really deep in a situation where she couldn't have handled herself without it. Uh, plus, they kind of implicate that there's maybe some baggage left over with her using it from her mother, that sort of a thing. Also, I guess the idea that she physically can't use it that that frequently or whatever. So... I get it, but at the same time, I was sort of expecting a more canary cry. But um, you know, I, I like I said, I I did download the soundtrack. I like the soundtrack. Um, I like the visuals of the movie, and not necessarily the costuming, but you know, the colors, the way it's shot, in terms of cinematography, that sort of a thing. Um, uh, but yeah, I did. I just did not like the the the. I guess that would qualify as pacing. The <coughs> the 15 minute backstory for each character you meet. So, yeah. And I think, I think that goes along with the way they decided the narrative structure was they, they were, they were, they were really trying to be Deadpool too much in the way they were doing things. And across the board, I'm not sure if that was an example of why they decided to do what they did. Uh, I don't think it, I don't think again, whether how much this impacted the actual, the audience, so I'm, I'm sure it did have an impact because we've seen, in all honesty, this this has had a pretty consistent impact on the box office up to this point. That it didn't help that when you think about it, like you have to go pretty far into this movie to try to find any kind of male character that was a positive, that wasn't a total piece of shit. Pretty much, I think the like the only male character that was 100% that you can make a case, and still you can't say 100% because of the profession he was in, but the but but the but the Goomba there, the mafia guy that, that protected Huntress when she was a kid and smuggled her out. That's yeah. about the and the guy and the other ones who helped train you know, helped train her and everything else. But the point is that character, who still is obviously a bad guy because of what he does for a living and it's his lifestyle, he's about the only you know, if you want to sad to say, which says a lot about the movie, the only positive role model across the board. Uh uh but I don't know. I just it just it was a it was a strange movie. It seemed like if they really you look you look at the way they named this movie and the whole emancipation of Harley. It seemed it just seems like in a way the story they should have told if they they should have been a Har, if they wanted to do a Harley Quinn movie and they wanted to talk, change our our perception of the character for her just being you know tied at the hip to the Joker and basically in this unhealthy pretty much one mostly one sided relationship. 
wouldn't it have made sense to tell that story about how she and the jo- how she and the Joker split, and how and basically make it her choice? She's the one who decided to end things, and that's how she becomes emancipated. Uh, which certainly would have seemed like a good idea on paper when you were coming up with the idea for doing this movie. Now, having it released so so shortly after the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie probably would not have been ideal, considering. But, but from a plot perspective, when you were trying to figure out ideas in this movie, I mean, Birds of Prey really don't have that much to do with Harley Quinn in the big picture. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure about the whole Cassandra Cain being this little chubby Asian kid and I'm not quite sure what the point of all that was and where you know if that was the best way to introduce not because she's chubby I don't really care that she's chubby but it just seems like an odd choice to introduce to introduce uh that character that way into this into this universe even though I know they're trying to theoretically move away from as much of a shared universe I don't know. I I just it seemed like it was an it was an odd choice, the way they decided to go about this, uh, putting this movie together, and then they they marketed it horribly. It, you know, none of the trailers looked particularly good. It so I don't think there was a lot of there was not a lot of buzz about this movie as far as just general interest in this movie. The trailers didn't increase that. Then of course you don't need again you don't need to have people talking about oh this is all about you know all about misogyny and all and it's like you just don't it's like can't you just have the movie be an entertaining movie and if there's a message that people can take from it or a message you're trying to get across in the movie you know let let people let people figure there's some nuance to it let people figure it out instead of beating you over the head women good men bad and and because at the end of the day. You're still alienating a huge percentage of your audience if you're if you're if you're trying to make it if that's the point you're trying to the not so subtle point you're trying to get across because male you know you're not what's kind of been pretty much evident at this point is that you're not going to have a successful comic book movie or a, even a successful action movie with a female lead if males are not interested in seeing the movie too <laughs> women are not as, as interested in those projects to to make to make up for the amount of the audience you're going to lose if you if you're purposely flipping the bird to this group and say we don't care, it's not going to work. And and you should never want to do that. You should. I mean, it's just logic from, from a box office from a from a cha-ching perspective. You should never be going out of your way to try to alienate or or make half your audience feel like they really don't want my money. You're making it clear they don't want my money by what they're saying. So why should I give them my money? Um. What this means, you know, obviously this was a very, very poor opening for this movie. You know, Shazam was, since Green Lantern doesn't count anymore in the in the DCEU, that Shazam was the you know was the was the weakest opening since you know since basically Man of Steel started everything over again before this movie, and this movie dramatically underachieved. I mean, it had a really bad opening weekend, and it's it's not going to stick around very long. It's there's no reason to think that it's going now it's interesting that the people who have gone to see it seem to have given it de- pretty decent marks. Uh, I'm not quite, I can't obviously agree with that from my perspective because I don't think the movie was, I don't think it was anything you know to to write home about. Obviously the 
you know, the critics, it's down to 79. It's pretty much the audience and the, the audience and the critics are pretty much in sync from a Rotten Tomatoes perspective on this movie. It's 78 critics, 79 audience. So that's, you know, 78 is not horrible. You know, it's pretty much low end MCU numbers of these modern MCU numbers. But I saw, which is mind boggling that the critics like gave it that higher score. I don't see why critics would like. I honestly don't see why critics would like this movie unless they're getting behind the message behind the movie. I don't see based on what's on the screen that 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 higher percentage of critics would give it a thumbs up. So, but people who go to see it seem to think it's okay. You know, they seem to enjoy it. There just wasn't a big audience. There just wasn't a big audience for the movie. Now, whether this is going to have any impact on suicide on the Suicide Squad, um, that remains to be seen. Probably not. Uh, if that, you're gonna have buzz because gu- guns on it. You're gonna have buzz, you know, depending on. That's gonna be dependent on the trailers too. Now, if they if they completely market that movie once again, it's like, oh, it's a Harley Quinn movie. If that's the way they market it, that's gonna be, yeah, that's gonna be kind of debatable. At this point, it's gonna be kind of shaky. Just like the question about whether this movie needed to be R, which I think most people probably. Would agree this this movie probably didn't need to be R. You probably were limiting your box office right away for that making this movie an R when it really didn't need to be an R based on what we saw in the in the, in the movie, which relates to what Suicide Squad's going to be. Is Suicide is is the Suicide Squad going to be an R because James Gunn can do an R because they can they will allow James Gunn to do an R and and is it necessary to do an R? Is that you know? That could be greatly dependent on the movie that, you know, once the movie's put together, you know, his first cut of the movie, is it, if, it's an R, if, it's a, if it's an R cut to begin with, is it necessary? Is what's in the movie sufficient enough in, you know, the overall quality of the movie, is it going to be impacted if we cut it, you know, if we cut it to a PG-13 cut, or should we cut it to a PG-13 cut? Those are things that might be answered down the road once the movie's done, but it'll be interesting to see a Birds of Prey has any impact on that since it's, you know, and maybe Harley, I mean, and maybe Harley Quinn is just not meant to be a lead character. I mean, she kind of, as some people have pointed out or phrased it, you know, she is a supporting character to a supporting character, you know, because the Joker is a supporting character to Batman and she is a supporting character to the Joker. So maybe she's just not a character that really you should be building around or at least not make her front and center as the as the only real the major selling point in a movie so i don't know if they were going to do a harley quinn movie they should have gone gotham city sirens people said to start with that would have been that would have been the way to go especially because of the her ties there as opposed as opposed to birds of prey which you know that's it's like it's kind of like they wanted to throw all these different things against the wall and we're hoping it was going to stick because oh we have harley quinn in the movie, you know, it's like, you know, Huntress, Slam, and you know, and and Black Canary, and introduce Cassandra Cain, even though she's, not, you know, she's not Batwoman or anything in this movie, um, and you know, and yeah, it's just, it just seems like it, there were there were a lot of for for um. They may not have been trying to world build across where things that were going to cr- cross over into three thousand, you know, and, and all these different DC movies these characters were going to show up. But they clearly were doing their best to try to, you know, get this whole spin-off machine going where they were hoping they're going to, you know, kick these characters off to do a spin-off here and do a, ca- you know, 
I don't know. It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting how this what the repercussions for the, from this movie, you know, what the repercussions really are going to be. It you know it's not the ultimate disaster. This movie still has a shot to maybe come maybe come close to breaking even, or maybe even turn a slight profit depending on on how much money they really spent on, on advertising. I mean, this movie so far has so far has where's my total here? It's made about 147 million dollars worldwide, and I think the production budget it was somewhere like around 75 to 85 on this movie. So. It depends. It depends. Again, if you use a tri- if you use the triple formula, tripling the production budget, then they got then they have some way to go yet. Then they have like they have to make like at least another hundred million dollars, which is probably not going to happen. Um, especially since it doesn't. Obviously, the whole coronavirus thing overseas hasn't isn't helping either. But this movie does not seem like it's playing particularly well in the foreign market, so you can't count on that saving this movie. And it's not going to have a, you know a, a lot of legs domestically. It's only made a little over 63.5 million dollars so far. But it's not it's not an unmitigated disaster. It's just it's just disappointing, and it's certainly not what they were hoping for. Yeah, I just it's 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 disappointing only in the fact that it's not remarkable. I guess is the problem. Uh, you know, it's. It, do I regret seeing it? No. Uh, will I buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray? Sure, but that's because I buy all this stuff when it comes out on Blu-ray. But uh, like, I wasn't wowed. I wasn't disappointed. I walked away liking some things. I like the uh, I like the soundtrack and and things like that. But and I really came away uh, crushing hard on Black Canary. Um, but uh, I mean, outside of it, it's just like you know. Yeah, that was a movie I saw, and I don't regret seeing it. But uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have. I don't feel like I would have been missing out on anything either. And I think that I think that is probably what a lot of people, and that's probably why a lot of people didn't go to, especially nowadays, because and this is not always the litmus test, but sometimes when you just, when you're trying to make a decision to go see something, it's like. Is there something about this movie that makes me want to see? I need, I really, to really experience this movie truly, the way, get the full, you know, the full experience of seeing this movie the way it was intended. Do I need to see it on the big screen, or is it something I can watch on, on, you know, on my flat screen TV at home? I can stream or I can rent or whatever. And this is like, to me, this is like a quintessential movie that you're not missing much if you, if you, if you, if you end up seeing this at a home video somewhere down the road. That you're not missing, you're not going to miss much. You're really not going, and I don't think even watching it on your screen, you can say, "Oh, I wish I had seen that in the theater. It would have been awesome." I don't think this is one of those movies that, yeah, you you don't, you definitely do not need to see this on the big screen. Even you know, given if that's the final litmus test, it's like I don't know. It's like, no, this is not like an event or an epic movie or a huge, this huge visual, you know, uh, just. Eye fest that just draws you in. It's like no. Is it like you say? It's on the be, the way you phrase it. Essentially, is perfect. It's like it's 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 unremarkable. That's what this movie really is. It's unremarkable. It's nothing special. It's one of those movies that it's really easy to forget about as soon as you get out of the theater. Uh, and that's 
which is not unique these days. Lots of movies are unremarkable. You go, you you know, you see a. That's not what the goal is. Obviously, the goal is that you think about it or it has an impact on you. I certainly, I certainly enjoyed, and I th- and it made you think more. Of course, the nature of the movie is entirely different. But as an example, I finally got to see Jojo Rabbit last week. Finally, because they, when they when they brought Jojo Rabbit back to our theater, at, you know, in the beginning of the year for the Oscar stuff, they just kept alternating. So there were some weeks they didn't have any evening shows, so that just wasn't going to work. But they they had evening shows. That at a decent time last week, so I actually went to I went to go see it, and yeah, I mean, I'm and it was it was entertaining and it was and it made you think and yes, it's a different kind of movie, but I'm glad, but it's not it was something you're glad you saw and it resonated a little bit, even 1917 to a lesser extent, because 1917 other in all honesty, other than the you know the fact you know based on a true story thing. And the idea, the way they shot the movie, and these long, you know, these long shots, and you know, the, the, the cameras following everybody throughout, you know, one take and everything. It's not that unique. It's not really that unique a concept in a in a war movie. We've seen similar things before. It's interesting in the World War One setting because World War One is just a such a horrible, the, the dynamics for that war with you know with trench warfare and. And the gas and everything that was World War One was horrible, but cons- but as a as a plot wise from a war movie perspective, it wasn't really anything that we hadn't seen before. But still, that even that probably you know that had a little bit more impact on me. This movie, it's like you know, it's like okay, I saw it. It's like, and I went in with low expectations, like we talked about. It just kind of didn't move me from that low expectation. I was. I was hoping I'd like it. Did I really think I would? No, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think I was going to come out going, wow, that, I thought this movie was going to be horrible. It wasn't half bad. It was it was okay. You know, I don't... So that's... That, that, it's, prob- it's probably overall... I would say it's my least... I think it's my least favorite DCEU movie. Suicide Squad is right near it. I haven't seen Suicide Squad from beginning to end in so long. Uh... But because of because of Will Smith in that movie, and Deadshot was such an interesting character in the way they did it, it's that was a bigger that was a bigger failure from the perspective not financially, but it was a bigger failure based on what it could have been with all these characters and the and the heart and the and the poor choice of villains and things like that. But I think there are things to be entertained with in that movie more than I thought I was entertained by. By, by Birds of Prey. But they're neck and neck. I think those are two, t- probably the two crappiest. Luckily, luckily for uh, WB, they have Wonder Woman warming up in the bullpen. So, so this will, sure. this will be that, you know, that cleansing of the palate real quickly. And, you know, June's not, time flies. June isn't that far away. So, so this movie will be an afterthought relatively, relatively quickly, which is probably good. And then we'll see if, the again, if there's any fallout and how they approach um, other movies they had in development, whether it has any impact, probably not on what Gunn's going to do with Harley Quinn in uh, in the Suicide Squad. But it's they should they should push it to home video sooner rather than later because 
you know, the, the the sooner they do it, the more the, the better their chances are that it's actually going to sell. And changing well. the title after one week after the movie came out was just that just reeked of desperation. I mean, some things they the, again, some things the optics are really bad. Even if you understand why you did it, it's like, well, yeah, you understand why you did it, but why? But you should have been bright enough to realize your title of your movies was bad to start with, uh, especially when Harley mm. Quinn is is clearly the main character, but you've but it's birds of prey and that whole, pat, you know, the ha ha ha, fantabulous, you know, that's just just fucking call it Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, you know, Harley Quinn, birds of prey was was smart, but that but it should have been that all along. <laughs> but I don't think it would have had any impact on the box office, mind you. People knew what this movie, the draw the draw for this movie was Harley Quinn, and people we knew that from the from the trailers. It became you know and there was no doubt it was a Harley Quinn movie, so it just wasn't a project that. A lot of people had that much interest in, so well maybe it would have had a slight impact on opening weekend box office. I don't think it would have changed the fortunes of this movie, you know, one way or the other. Right? So it was just—I think it was just a relatively, relatively poorly conceived project, and I just think they—it was not what D—it was not what Warner Brothers and DC needed, that's for sure, when they were having a a a mini. Hot, a relatively mini hot streak for them because Wonder Woman did well, uh, Wonder Woman did really well, uh, Aquaman did pretty well, Shazam really didn't do that great. It did okay. It didn't make that much money, but most people were, which is a shame because it, it was much better movie. than this. Uh, but there again, there wasn't. Yeah. A, I don't think there was a huge amount of buzz for Shazam. And again, you saw. you start delving into these. I mean, people do know who the, they do know the character. Captain Marvel, you know, they... just fucking do Flash and Green Lantern. Like my God, well, it's not that hard. For them, apparently for them it is because of the fact that here we are, here we are in 2020, and we still, even though you know what Jeff John keeps Johns keeps te- teasing us about, oh, we're getting inf- more information about you know the Green Lantern, you know. A Green Lantern, not comic book related stuff, which we assume is going to be cinema related. But here we are, and we know at some at some point there's going to be a Green Lantern Max show, and at some point supposedly there's going to be an Ezra Miller Flash movie. But of course we've they've been talking about this crap for like four to five years now. With and then there's Green Lantern. But you're right, it, it, their, their choice their, their choice of material is just is just mind boggling. You give them a pass a little bit. On the Flash, because it's not like they haven't wanted to do the Flash. They just can't get their heads out of the you-know-what. And either get the right script, or get the right director, or they're, or they're not willing to just kick Ezra Miller to the curb to the curb and say, you know, this is a movie we want to do. Either you're going to do it with us, or we're going to recast the role, because we don't want to do the... We don't think, even though their track record of maybe being right would make Ezra Miller want to hold his ground more... But it's like this is the kind of movie we want to do with this character. We don't want to make it this way. You know, we don't necessarily want to make it this kind of character or this kind of movie. But either way, they, get, they should shit and get off part, or pardon the term, or get off the pot. And we know Green, Green Lantern. They seemingly have at least moved away from being petrified about doing a Green Lantern movie now. But let's know. Let's you know. Let's let's do let's do the new gods. Let's do a new gods movie, which absolutely nobody's going to give a crap about. Unless, like I think we talked about, unless for some reason the Eternals is this massive hit, then maybe, maybe. But the new gods have pretty much been established that people care a little bit about 
Orion, Metron, High Father, Mr. Mr. Miracle, Barda, a little bit. Dark Side is a villain people like, even though after after uh, Thanos, is, even though we know that's not the way it really happened. But he's he, in the in the movie in the eyes of moviegoers, he's going to be a knockoff of Thanos, so it's going to have less of an impact. But either way, we know based on their comic book trajectory that there is not a huge go-to audience for New Gods. And then sticking what what's her face from uh, your movie? You're just, I which I'm drawing a blank on. Oh, uh, the Oprah, the Oprah movie, which I'm drawing a blank on. The book series. Wrinkle and time. Wrinkle and time. Madeline Lay Angle books. That's the one thing I, I I just needed that trigger. Yes, uh, ha- having her and was it Tom King, who's who's yeah. And some people some some of his stuff people like. And then there's uh then there's Heroes in Crisis. So that's a project that is just asking not to be made <laughs> because it seems like there's no way that movie's gonna do well. Could do well. I'm getting a I'm getting a. Bill and Ted 3 movie before I'm getting the next Green Lantern movie. I'm hearing news about Community, the movie, before I ever get another Green Lantern movie. Like, these are things I never thought would happen. Four before the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, and by the way, for those of you wondering what I'm talking about, so Community, the thing was always six seasons in a movie. Well, we got six seasons. We're waiting for the movie. Evidently, like Allison Bree and a couple others tweeted out the other day, there's actually some news about a community movie coming out very, very soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that, which got me all kinds of hype because we all know I love community. But, like, man, for a while there, it seemed like the community movie was never going to happen, like, defensively. So uh, <laughs> the fact that I'm getting news about that actually becoming a potential reality before we ever have more concrete news about a Green Lantern film is uh, irritating. Just, look at all, look at, just imagine all of these, all of these projects. Since my God, since 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 Green Lantern, since Green Lantern came out, actually, I want I I, I there there have been at least because of Spiral. There's going to be at least two Saw movies that have come out since that. It might be more because I'm trying to remember when Saw when Saw finished up back when Saw 3D. How big a gap there was, but. It's like, and obviously those movies are so much are, are cheap to make, so it's not really surprising on that level. But but based on the law of diminishing returns for franchises, it's like it just it just boggles the mind. It's like they avo- they ran scared for so long, and it's like oh we're gonna do this, we're gonna build it back up, and it's like oh we're gonna get BVS, which people didn't like. We're gonna get Justice League, which people liked even less. It's like oh god, thank God we have Wonder Woman. And then Aquaman was pretty successful, but it didn't set the world on fire, certainly domestically. People just like Jason Momoa. I mean, that's really what it what it comes down to. But I don't know. It's it's the sui- the Suicide Squad is going to be quite interesting. We know obviously the Batman is 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 beginning filming. We know that. Uh, that's going to be another interesting test. Batman Batman movies always do well, so. Uh, well, it's a sliding scale of doing well. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to open up and be doing, you know, you know, the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight Rises kind of money. But 
it'll it'll do well. But the Suicide Squad is going to be quite interesting because first of all, you know, people did not think all that highly of that movie, though it made a lot of money. And it's and but people like but people like feel that you know it's in James Gunn's wheelhouse, so there's so there's curiosity to it. But meantime, meantime, you know we meanwhile we have no Superman movie planned on the horizon whatsoever, no Justice League movie, no definitive uh, casting news, let alone uh, release date for a Green Lantern movie, and the Flash thing has been in limbo forever, and Cyborg se- seemingly is dead. Oh, Black Adam. We know Black Adam is coming, too. So oh. that that's 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 an interesting project too, because of the fact that it's going to have so many ties to like Justice Society stuff, and how is that going to play? Yeah, that that'll be in your wheelhouse. But the question is, how? I mean, how is that going to appeal to you know mainstream audiences? If you know, since it's not the Justice League, it's the Justice Society, which for the most part you know relates to you know it it relates to people with you know, an older comic book reading audience or people with an extensive knowledge of, of the DCU to, to know everybody uh, who most of those characters will be. Uh, I mean, if they have Jay Garrick in it, then obviously people are going to know that from the TV show. And and I like to think people, a lot of people would know the, you know, the Alan Scott version of Green Lantern but and Hawkman. So you, got, you have some ties in from different shows and Smallville and different things that they've done. But it's not mainstream, so you're, that you're counting on The Rock, and you're counting on Black Adam being, you know, doing the anti-hero route with Black Adam being the draw, and of what's, you know, what's to potentially to come with him either squaring off with Shazam or Andor Superman. So, but we'll see. It's going to be in, based on the projects that we know that are that are that are be, will be coming out in the near future. Wonder Woman is the only one you can feel confident in that's going to be a hit. A re, I mean, uh, a no doubt about it hit is going to be Wonder Woman. And then the other one, there's a lot of wild cards in that. So, but we'll, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's probably, it's, it's not the way, you know, anybody probably wanted this project to go. And I'm sure it's not the way, uh, it's going to be a, when we're looking back at the movies for this year, it's probably going to be an afterthought on both of our lists. <laughs> probably. I still need to go see the gentleman. I was gonna. That was on the agenda, but I think that's kind of fallen by the wayside now. That that's another movie that did not do well at all. Uh, so I think I before we completely switch off from movies, I still find it fascinating that Jumanji is still in the top ten and still doing fairly well. Knives Out is doing so well too, but meanwhile, Star Wars is pretty much completely off the radar screen. So note to self to Sony. Looking at what's happened with both of your movies going against Star, both of your Jumanji movies going against Star Wars, go back to the model of like two years ago when you opened up the week after Star Wars. Don't open up the week before. I think if they had opened up the week after Star Wars, they would have ultimately ended up making more money in the long run. I think with this because it had a nice opening weekend, then Star Wars came out, so you knew it was going to get wrecked. And then it took like about then it took like about five or six weeks at least before Jumanji finally passed Star Wars like on a daily basis and 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 a weekend to weekend basis. I think it would have been a lot sooner. I think they would have been able to pass Star Wars a lot quicker, and I think they would have had a little more buzz since obviously people like the movie enough 
where it's make it's I it's still going to be substantially behind domestically and overall compared to Welcome to the Jungle, but you know the next level is at least like within like around last time I checked like within eighty million dollars domestically of what the first movie did. So it's holding its own now, but I think it would have had a bigger hold. I think it would have done a little bit more money. But it's just it's just amazing how quick how quick Star Wars came and gone with with again with less with very little impact. You could almost make the case that movie was unremarkable based on the feeling it left people at the end. Considering it was supposed to end the story and you were, and you should feel a certain way when it, when it ended, that it kind of was oh okay. So. All right, uh, ready for Green Lantern number one. I reckon uh, I'm gonna do my best with this. I this is I read this issue tonight, so this is gonna be my basically my second full walkthrough on this issue. So Chad's gonna be my safety net because I'm gonna try to hit the major points on this. If there's some specific things that I don't mention or gloss over, then that's where that's where Mr. Bokelman will uh, probably jump in. So yes, this is Green Lantern season two. <laughs> Number number one. Uh, I'm not sure about the tag and the title. I mean, uh, Space Cop Hal Jordan leads the search for the next generation of cosmic immortals. <laughs> Somehow you would think, oh, I don't think you'd want a Space Cop leading the search for <laughs> and, uh, I would have even preferred Interstellar Lawman there. <laughs> Maybe go back to that trope from season from quote unquote season one. In- Interstellar Lawman. Uh, but the cover is kind of cool with these fun- you know with these funky funky looking you know new guard new guardians we assume because the young guardians is the t- is the issue with and the cover is titled uh, hovering in the background and you have Hal Jordan fly- you know flying off with serious intent. The, I like the art on the cover. I think the, I think uh, I don't like again. I didn't like the description, but I think the art the, the art's pretty cool. It's, it's a cool cover. Uh, so now we deal with this is such a weird scene. Not just because we have so many friggin' lanterns that you know we we're not gonna know. They go out of their way to make some of these really obscure lanterns and. Uh, we're not surrounded by a lot of familiar faces. Let's put, let's put it this way: on this big splash page, when I, I guess this is what we would call the the, the dress uniform of the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a fan of this look. What do you think? Uh, I mean, it it makes sense with the art it style. Does. That part is true, but it's interesting seeing Hal in in his in his dress uniform. He's standing he's standing before the Guardians. Along with Lantern True, the what the Zudarian, uh, and the guard and God, I, I gotta be honest, I do hate the design of these guardians. <laughs> these are funky looking mm. guardians. I hate the fact that if Ganthet and Sade and Raimi are all in there, you have no friggin' idea who's who because they look so. You you can kind of tell the difference between the males and the females, kinda. At least in these uniforms, it's still a little harder. But I don't like. I don't. I'm never was never a huge fan of the uniformity of the Guardians. I I know that was. I know that was part of the shtick. I get it. But there always was at least somebody who kind of stood, out, almost somebody who stood out all the time. And I, I that just does not look like the Guardians to me. But 
Hal is there in his dress uniform, and he's basically being congratulated for uh, for saving the universe and neutralizing the threat of Controller Mu until he shows up again. Uh, and they're telling him that, you know, uh, how to reward a man who needs or expects none. And, we kind of, and I'm glad they picked up on this plot point, which, of course, was, I guess – was first hinted at at the end of the of the uh, green of the Green Lanterns line when the when the Green Lantern batteries were corrupted by Cyborg Superman that all the Green Lantern batteries were being taken and being you know reconstructed and, and rebuilt uh, repurposed uh, so the upgrade he, so the Guardian hands Hal Jordan his upgraded power battery which kind of looks like a little kind of looks like Kyle's but more like almost like more organic to me it's got like see it seems it's it's I don't know how would you how do how would you describe that? It looks like a Green Lantern power battery that is slowly trans like like is mid transformation into a Blue Lantern power battery. Oh, because of the wings, because of the wings on the side. Yeah. You're right. I actually I did I that's an interesting point, which I'm sure. Well, we can't say we're sure because Mar- with Morrison, he's always he's always thinking of something. But since we haven't seen anything related to the uh, other than seeing Atrocitus in the you know, in the Mooverse, that we really haven't seen anything related to the emotional spectrum. But you're right. Now that you look, it it is similar to the to the Blue Lantern's shape. But it, but the but it does remind me of Kyle's the face of it a little bit too. I actually like the fact that Hal has like a has a medal on on him too. It's like I never really saw the Guardians as, as the handing out medals type. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's cool. That part I like. I, I like the part that this uh, these are at least like a little less stick up their ass guardians. A little bit, at least a little bit. Um, so they give Hal Jordan the battery and they say, hey, you know, it's time to time to recite the oath. And and Hal's like, all together now. And pretty much the Green Lantern Corps, you know, you know, re- recites the oath and so forth and so on. Hal Jordan, you know. It, Hal Jordan is trying to sleep, <laughs> and he gets in, and he gets interrupted by and these are really funky uniforms. Uh, the guard the guardians come to him in these weird like almost like uniforms out of Prometheus uh, in the in the Alien prequel, and they kind of speak to him and saying, "Hey, your time time of you know, the time has come. A new reality dawns, and we elders must you know must depart." And you know, and and Hal's like butt naked here, which is kind of funny that he's trying to c- cover up his junk because he's getting all this background as these guardians are hovering over his bed. And it's like, uh, it's like, uh, we thank you once again. Wow, they, he gets thanked like twice, twice in a short period of time. <laughs> Make a note of that. It's like uh, the guardians of the universe thank you once again for your long, you know, your long and distinguished service in the core, and we thank you for all the good you've done. And it's like a great rebirth is imminent. And, you know, the cosmic grail has awoken and summons summons us to fulfill our destiny laid down since the days of Krona. Then we then this drifts into Morrison babble. <laughs> for now, it's like we depart to fight the ultra war, a shadow, a conflict shadowed here below as the multi crisis. And I do like the way Hal looks here. Hal, they do a good job of making Hal look pretty like disheveled, like he just woke up. And it's like, but the Cosmic Grail was a sham, you know, it wasn't real. But it's like, but this, but this is a new reality. The sham is what is real. You know, the stone that was discarded is the new foundation. And Hal's just still there, like covering up his chug, like, what the hell is that supposed to be? Oh, Hal. Oh, Hal. Uh, 
What did you think about this next splash page when they have the uh, <laughs> the interplanetary law enforcement symposium? <laughs> That's uh, conceptually, I think it's cute. It's like, it's like they're having this big law law enforcement convention on Oa. Uh, where, where it's like at all they're all staying at like at a Marriott or a, or a Hilton or something. I do think, it, and of course now we get Morrison being Morrison because he names drop. You know, he throws in a whole lot of names. Uh, I know some of these some of the characters that get mentioned in this issue were what from Mystery in Space, I think. Uh, and speaking of mystery in space, do you recognize uh, Adam Strange Al- yes, and Alana yes, right over there? Uh, and uh, then at the very, very bottom, uh, the bottom left, that is Grant Morrison at the bar with uh, Liam Sharp standing next to him. Hold on, is it? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Now that I'm seeing that, I was too far over. I scrolled. You're right. That makes sense. Yeah, that's that's not so. That's. Not very subtle, but, it, but but nice. I like that. So, yeah, so basically, all all these law enforcement, all these uh, like I said, it's just basically a law enforcement convention um, of all these different space cops, essentially. Hal gets sent to, and before Hal gets sent on his way, he he deals with uh, Rick, as he's going to be nicknamed in this. Who basically was? He's like he's like a he's like salt, right? Isn't that what we figure out? We find out he's like almost like a living salt crystal. Yeah, he's a he's living a, crystal. Living, yeah. yeah. I, I do like the fact that he keeps wanting to demonstrate the crystallizer, <laughs> and he talk and he talks mm-hmm. about how to you know uh yeah how to how to his crystallizer is unique and they got five different law enforcement settings and it's like uh, setting one is only used in emergency. <laughs> He's kind of a, he is kind of an interesting character, and it's like every, no everybody nobody I feel bad for him because nobody seems interested in seeing him demonstrate his crystallizer, uh, and and how pretty much you know how pretty much gets sent to see what the he he interacts with John Stewart briefly and Jessica Cruz, and John tries to to like cajole him a little like hey you should come back to Earth you know justice go see the Justice League blah blah blah. And Hal's like, you know, I, you know, Earth's kind of like, you know, it's like in my rearview mirror now. It's like I kind of need to be, I, you know, I need these wide open spaces. That basically, he belongs in space. And Jessica's kind of pointing out, hey, I hate wide open spaces. We're like yin and yang. <laughs> and Hal's like, you know, just, they just they just have this discussion. And, you know, Hal's, as we see it, you know, there's a point to this at the end. But Hal pretty much just doesn't really care because it's like I got you know I I I have work to do and he gets to see what you know what now this is not Sade right as far as we know no. um but yet it's a female guardian who is who is still did not go off with the others and Hal is sent to go see her and she points out because he Hal's kind of confused of why they had this whole symposium. And he said, well, our plan is to induct a number of new lanterns to the core, so they kind of figured that some of these local space agencies might have some uh, some valuable recruits. And, and, she, and she she goes, and the time has come to seek out replacements for our departed guardians. And he's like, replacements? It's like, you know, wise, it's like, well, you know, wise immortals just don't grow on trees. And she's like, true, they do not. <laughs> they, and this... This was kind of pushing it. It's like they they grow in body orchards of Mother Juno on the planet Maltus. <laughs> Mother Juno. I said Juno. You're right. Uh, 
there, yeah. there were reasons why I said that, but it's irrelevant. Mother Juna on the planet Maltus. It's like, your trip has been arranged and your partner assigned and Hal's typical Hal, like, you know, it's like, it's like, like, I'm just going to Maltus, you know, I don't, you know, I really don't. I know where it is, all the stuff. It's like, I don't really need a partner. And she's like, well, there's, you know, the, 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 there's, there. The unrest is, you know, there's unrest on on Maltis, to put it mildly, and Hal's like, oh, I can deal with this. And basically, she, basically, he gets assigned Special Officer Rick, uh, who gets assigned to uh, be his partner in this. And Hal's not overly impressed with uh, being assigned a living <laughs> salt crystal. And Hal's thinking he's got a ba- he's got to babysit, and you know, so he's really not thrilled with this partnership. And she points out, oh, one more thing, uh, you know, Maltus is pretty much, you know, everything has con- collapsed into neo-barbarism. So be on your guard. Just what you want to hear, right? So we cut to sector three six zero three oh, excuse me, three zero zero one, um, in Maltus, where you see like these these like cyborg ape like creatures that are that are attacking, and. We find uh, the assistance of what Mother Juna, who end up they don't really suffer a good fate here. Uh, the apes end up kidnapping Mother Juna, but she basically she 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 plants the so-called seed, which we will find now relates to the to the you know the replacement guardians. Hal Hal and Rick show up and they and they find out that you know that that they're they're too late. Rick thinks that they basically that the infant guardians have been burned burned alive in their in their pods, but it turns out uh, that there's a little more to it than that. They are Hal is determined to rescue Mother Mother Juna, and basically we get a whole we get a whole different we get she's Hal's dealing with the threat, and I mean the, the physical threat and Rick Rick's job is is what is Rick's job really here to try. How would you describe his job here? Because Hal's dealing. Hal's more being the you know, the blunt instrument here. He's being the detective, figuring out what happened. And where they're looking for. Find her. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's probably the simplest way to to put it. Uh, I like the fact he said, "I was going to resort to using setting one on my crystallizer, but my weapon was lost." <laughs> So we could have seen what it would do in emergency situations, but and you know, and Hal points out, you know, hey, it's like, uh, you know, Hal used basically he uses the he uses his ring and some of the powers of of the of the new battery to basically de-evolve some of these creatures that have evolved on Maltus to a, to a much more innocent and less problematic state, and. This is when we kind of get the reveal from Mother Juna that, you know, basically none of this, this is mostly a show that she was never really at risk, that basically what her role is on Maltus, that she gets, a, she it's almost like she's a high evolutionary to a certain extent where she develop, she takes, she develops these species and she sees how, and the, and the Guardians approve of this, where she basically is developing different societies of different and different species just to see how they rise and fall and, and, and learn from it. Um, so she, she ends up pulling out, you know, pulling out that seed that, that was going to be, had the DNA and everything of the, of the, was going to be the young guardian. She kind of, she puts it in, puts it in this, in this device and, and she, she pretty much changes, she changes them and it's like, uh, 
But she's she'd give she's kind of giving you Guardians kind of in a way what the Guardians were supposed to be like when Kyle brought them back that they they were already ancient before they pretty much the original Guardians were already kind of ancient before they, they stepped into that Guardian role and they were immortal and they never died and these guard and these Guardians are going to be young and they're going to supposedly be able to die so they're not going to be immortal we assume uh, and they're going to change and they're going to feel and they will will their own future and and. And boom, uh, that pretty much is, that pretty much will be, you know, the Young Guardians. We end up back on Oa, where, uh, where the female Guardian who's left, you know, says that, you know, there inevitably there comes a time when we must step back and make way for the new. Welcome then our Young Guardians of the Universe. Their word is law. Their judgment is absolute, which is a cool splash page. Kilowog looks awesome there. I thought that's but and still yeah. and so at least we get we get at least a few of the ones that we that we know as well and plus we see Rick in his Green Lantern uniform because Rick has been basically this was a testing ground besides the genetic testing that they did on Maltis this was also a testing ground for Green for Rick as a Green Lantern recruit he was being sent on a basically an audition uh, and he and he succeeded now of course the new, the young Guardians we we get a look into their th- thoughts and the young guardians are pretty much, they make it clear they're not happy with the way things have been handled. They're not, they're not happy with the methods that the, the Green Lantern Corps have used and they're under review. They understand why it's been this way, but they also see why and how, th- you know, what things, how we know what will be. And they basically go, they point out there's a, there's a, a, a serious event going on on Throne World Chronotine Kron- in Sector 2814. And there's going to be repercussions across the entire sector. You know, the, there's a perpetrator that's on the run that killed the Green Lantern with their bare hands. And we know where the choose, you know, the killer has chosen to hide. And basically, Hal gets given the assignment, you know, because, you know, your, and your home planet of Earth is in danger. It's like you must transfer there immediately. And, you, you know, the, the, look, the look on Hal's face is priceless because he's not thrilled with this <laughs> at all. Then we cut back to Earth and kind of like a throwback to even you know either hard, not just the hard traveling heroes era, but even you know even when even like the Parallax View era when Hal's like with his duffel bag you know hitchhiking, summon it, and he gets picked up, and it's like uh, basically Hal's so lost like he doesn't know anything, he doesn't know who the president is, he doesn't know anything else, and uh, and, and, the, and the truck driver's like, hey, you look like somebody that's been away for a, lo- a long time. It's like hit the pedal and I'll tell you a story. Take me to your nearest to the nearest bar. And that's the end of this issue. So this issue is actually not just the last page. The entire issue is actually a throwback to hard traveling heroes. Which makes sense. There were there were there were elements, yes, I would say I picked up on even throughout the issue, but there was uh one in particular just a character, Mother Juna. Mother Juna is from Green Lantern, Green Arrow, number 81. And that is the cover, if you've ever seen it, about a overpopulation. And it's uh, Black Canary, Green Arrow, and, and uh, Green Lantern all just sort of falling through bodies of people on the cover. Uh, essentially what happens is uh, in a prior issue, uh, Old Timer, Hapali Apsa, chooses the well-being of Hal Jordan at the expense of uh, the potential danger to both uh, terrestrial life and and the ecosystem, 
when there are like some barrels of oil or something to that effect or toxic chemicals or something like that about to fall in the water. He chooses to save Hal instead. And the Guardians judge Appa for this and strip him of his immortality and send him to Maltus. But they allow um, they allow Ollie and, uh, and Hal to escort him down uh, along with Dinah to, to Maltus to say goodbye. When they get there, Maltus is just literally asses to elbows with people and not just in city centers, but just virtually the whole planet. Um, Black Canary gets chased down because like, you know, she's a woman and, you know, you know, we, we don't, we don't need any more people on this planet, that sort of a thing. Um, and uh, seize the means of reproduction. Um, but, uh, you know, anyways, they, uh, the, it turns out the whole, the whole reason behind this is a character named Mother Juna. And Mother Juna has been cloning uh, a lot of people uh, and referring to them as her, her ch- their children because af- long after the Guardians left Maltus, you know, they're, they're, they, they didn't leave Maltus behind 100%. You know, some people became Guardians and Xamarons and Controllers and everything, but that doesn't mean they didn't, there wasn't some people who stayed behind on Maltus. Well, on Maltus, after a while, a, uh, I don't know, a radioactive cloud, I don't know how they described it at the time, but this, the planet passed through this cloud that essentially sterilized the place. Um, uh, and I don't believe the entire race, but a, a good portion of it. And she was one of the ones who was sterilized, and she had always wanted kids. So that's this whole, being a brilliant scientist and all of this stuff, but also, you know, uh, a person who wanted to be a mother but stripped of the ability to do so uh, created this this cloning machine and technology and uh, she was doing that but in the meantime the people affected by the cloud uh, for I don't know could have been decades, centuries, I don't know but it was for a while uh, the effects of it went away so then they just started naturally having children again so her cloning process Plus, the populace's uh, ability to have children again led to an overpopulation problem on Maltus. Um, so that is, I mean, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of, you know, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow series, every issue tackled some sort of, you know, uh, big social issue at the time. And at the time, there were a lot of fears about overpopulation. So that was one of the quote-unquote social issues that Denny and Neil tackled. But that is who Mother Juna is. Uh, so there, there's some big ties there with that. I'm also wondering, too, you know, with the involve, heavy involvement of Guardians here, uh, you know, and uh, some, some, some big uh, pulls from, from Green Lantern, Green Arrow that are happening, especially the fact that you end up with the supposedly the the main crux of maybe this season two is how back on earth and the very first scene of him back on earth is hitching a ride. I'm wondering, uh, how much, uh, deep diving needs to be done into green lantern, green arrow. And, and maybe, uh, maybe we need to start thinking about the possibility of Appa Ali Apsa coming back. Talk about a character that's way overdue. <laughs> For sure. I mean, a lot, I mean, we haven't speculated about him coming back since what the, uh, post, but po- since Brightest Day, 
when we when 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 we yeah well, well, well yeah when the hooded when, the, when, yeah. when in in the Malthusian whatever bandages they were uh that we yeah. everybody that it seemed like he was one of the, one of the most logical choices um of course yeah I mean like the, the only two guardians we 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 really need back are either Appa or Dowley which is the guardian from the Ganthus tale. Crone has been dead for. Crone has been gone for a while. <laughs> not counting, uh, not counting whatever time lost Crona was in, uh, what lost army. Uh, yeah. But we haven't seen Crona since like he was being since Atrocitus was like feeding him to, to or whatever. <laughs> and and they were and the thing that was wearing his skin right on in the red Gar, in the Red Lantern's book. <laughs> Um, one of the things I noticed, and where is it on the page? Uh, so on the page, uh, I think it's the first page where they're all chanting Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. Yes. There is, um, I forget the earth, but what's his name? Uh, the, the hippie lantern is there on the very far right side of the page by the white border in the middle. Far right of the page, dead center. I mean, I'm talking far, far right of the page. Oh, yeah, you're right, because they put the sunglasses on. You're right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, standing in front of the tiger in the suit uh, and in front of the mushroom guy, that looks to be like Liam's take on uh, the green loon turn. I thought about that, but I guess it could be. I mean, it could be. There's no reason why he couldn't wouldn't be allowed by a company that's owned by the WB to you know to draw straight up Daffy Duck. But like, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a coloring mistake, or you know they just decided to make it more subtle. But it's that. I mean, that's if anything, that's got to be the Green Loon turn. I could see that. <sighs> Uh, I really like the art in this issue. If you can, go find Liam, uh, Liam, Liam's account over on Twitter. Uh, he posted a lot of black and white images, uh, before this thing went to the colorist. And holy shit, is there an ass ton of detail on those pages? Uh, and more so than you're going to see in the actual issue, because obviously, uh, if you're not, if you're not already aware, comic art, the comic art page when the, when the artist is doing the actual pages, uh, is uh, what you would you say, Mark? Double the size of a uh, of a regular comic page? What's what's the actual oh, dimensions? Do we what know? The actual dimensions are, but you're right. They are. It is substantially bigger. There's a ton. Like even the last page where he gets picked up by the trucker. Like there's a ton of detail in there. Like you know, uh, the, the 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 arm hairs on the guy. Like there's just if you can find. Liam's, uh, and you, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Go go to Liam's Twitter account and find those pictures um, because that's a there's a there's a lot of detail uh, in this stuff. So Liam Liam really killed it uh, with the art. His art is still not a hundred percent my style, but he's obviously growing on me uh, just in terms of just being exposed to it. 
the amount of detail he puts in, uh, some of the sort of artistic uh, references he makes and styles he sort of, uh, I don't know, embodies. Um, you know, I, I think it, I think his style works really good for what Grant is trying to do. And at least in terms of tone, um, and in terms of, uh, you know, what eras that Grant is pulling from here. So, uh, Liam's a good fit for Grant in that, in that respect and the story that he's telling. But yeah, this was, this one was pretty straightforward. I, I kind of like, I, I do, if, if we're comparing apples to oranges here, uh, and comparing, you know, issue one of season one to issue two, issue one of season two. I think I I'm set up to like season two better than season one. We'll see. You know, we're only one issue in. We'll 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 see. But you know, I've been saying for a while I want Hal back on Earth. Uh, so you know, and it looks like uh, Liam is heavily or, or Grant is heavily pulling from the hard traveling heroes era. So. A lot of the various things he's doing here, you know, introducing some new guardians, and the guardians are these guardians are supposedly capable of emotion uh, and things like that. You know, a lot of this seems uh, up my particular alleys, so I'm uh, I'm 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 uh, willing to give this one uh, uh, a little more of a an open mind here, I guess. No, I think the way this this season is being set up this year and. Is being set up is, I would agree. I think there, it seemed on the surface, it would appear that that it's more up up my alley. Uh, but we'll have to see what he does with it, and we'll have to see what his adventures on Earth are really going to be like, and and we also have to see how it's going to work. Because I did read something that we're supposedly only getting like eight issues now instead of twelve. In this season, which mm. I, I didn't don't know if DC. I don't know if it's been 100% confirmed, and but, but I thought I. But I'm pretty sure I. Re, I know I heard that somewhere, but that and, and some people are speculating that re, that relates to the uh, all the what the generation books that are coming. You know the different waves. Mm. Uh, yeah. Which again, some people mean, suspect that means that you know Hal's not going to be Green Lantern uh, at some point soon, which will be. We'll see if that happens, but I don't like the idea that this if it being shrunk down for eight, especially if Morrison really wanted to do twelve. I mean that's kind of ballsy to um, the guy. Want, like, hey, you have, one the, you have one of the you know best known writers out there and best respected writers, even though yes, he can be maddening at times. There's no doubt on this book, and he seems enthused about it. And he's got a story to tell. It's like, no, we're gonna cut four issues out, or we're only gonna make it eight. Well, I mean, doesn't mean we're not going to get the rest of those stories, but we also don't know what's, you know, what's coming down the road. But that makes me that makes me a little a little concerned, especially because that, that kind of adds fuel to the fire. That hey, we could have we could have had three more issues if we didn't waste it on that Black Star stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we could have had we still could have had an eleven issues quote unquote season, even if if we had just gone straight into it. Give us, including an annual or a double, give us a special or something if you needed to tell a story, but not screw. But either way, I am on board. We'll see, we'll have to see that. Uh, we'll have to see how how it goes. But yeah, I'm a little more. I'm I'm intrigued by you know what the what, what the old guardians are going to do and the new guardians and of course if the old guardians come back, you can almost take it to the bank. There's going to be a conflict between the two, 
and who you know and conf- conflicting visions about running the Green Lantern Corps. So that'll be that seems almost inevitable. For sure. Um, I think that's going to do it, guys. Uh, there was one thing I wanted, a couple of things I wanted to mention uh, before we wrap up the episode. Uh, you guys all know I'm going to Emerald City Comic Con in March. I just wanted one of the few times I wanted to remind folks uh, I will be there. I will be uh, having a lot of fun, taking a lot of photos, doing a lot of things, uh, just kind of hanging out in, in the city um, and, and doing what I can there. Uh, while I am, uh, while I am there, I am planning on, uh, I'm actually planning on, uh, getting a lot of photos of some cosplayers, uh, cosplaying as Green Lantern, uh, characters. And I will be posting those on Sunday, March 15th, 2020. And the reason I say that is because we and the blog of OA are celebrating three official cosplay days in 2020. So if you or someone you know cosplay any Lantern-related characters, uh, hero or villain, uh, post a photo to Twitter on these specific days using the GL80th hashtag. That's Sunday, March 15th, <coughs> Sunday, July 26th, Sunday, October 11th. So these dates actually coincide with the Sundays of Emerald City Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, and New York uh, Comic Con, respectively. So if you're attending the con or at your local shops or you're out and about or even if it's an old photo of some lantern cosplay you had, uh, you know, we, we honestly really don't care. Just post your cosplay of your various lantern characters specifically on those days using that hashtag. And, I, you know, I will be paying attention to Twitter and stuff on those days to, like, retweet the crap out of those. Uh, if you are not the cosplayer but you're just kind of trying to share and get in on the fun, please do your best to credit the original cosplayer. Uh, specifically, if they're on Twitter, try and find... If you don't, that's fine. If you just have a, a name or whatever, but you know, tag them and stuff so that we can make sure to get the credit to the people who make the costume and stuff like that. Um, the, uh, the last thing I wanted to say is because it's newsworthy. Uh, DC announced that they, on May 20th, will be releasing the Green Lantern 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular. Uh, this is uh, a $10 book, $9.99, and there are a bunch of variant covers. There's a 1940s variant cover by Nicholas Scott, a 50s variant color, uh, cover by Matt Taylor, a 60s variant cover by Doug Monkey, a 70s variant cover by Neil Adams, 80s by David Finch, 90s by Philip Tan, 2000s by Yvonne Hayes and Eau Claire Albert, and 2010s variant cover by Jim Lee and Scott Williams. The main cover is done by Liam Sharp, so we have eight covers in total uh, at $9.99 apiece, and yes, I am getting every single one of them because I've been... Working with Mark and everybody to try and push Green Lantern 80th. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Green, uh, DC wants to do something to help celebrate Green Lantern's 80th anniversary. I am putting my money where my mouth is. And if I can afford what they're going to do, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's, so let me see here. Um, 
from Newsama. The legendary lineup of creators contributing their talents to Green Lantern 80th anniversary 100-page super spectacular include Jeff Johns, Daryl Banks, Charlotte Fullerton, uh, Charlotte Fullerton McDuffie, Cena Grace, Mike Grell, Jeff Lemire, Ron Mars, Denny O'Neill, Fernando Pissarin, Yvonne Hayes, Rafa Sandoval, Marquio Tamaki, PJ Tomasi, James Tinian, Robert Venditti, and more. I'll be curious to see the stories that are that they put in there. For sure, I really like Yvonne uh, 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 Hayes's uh, variant That's cover. That's my favorite. Uh, that, uh, but but Liam's is pretty damn cool. The main one. Yeah, I think I think the cover the cover that I gravitated towards was the Yvonne Hayes cover. I think. It's because it's because of who's on it too. I mean, it's it's the it's the image it's the image, you know. It kind of like it it kind of does capture a lot of the Jeff Johns run, in a nutshell, in on that cover. Um, I I still think it's weird. Well, not weird. I think it's disappointing that Daryl didn't get a cover. I think yeah. that's, I think that blows. I, I think I mean sometimes I mean she I mean I mean sometimes you just bang your head against the wall. It's like it's like why? I mean, obviously there's reasons why, and then you know, not that we're in the privy to know why, but the re- the reality is, it's 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 criminal based on talent that you know that he does not get, that Daryl doesn't get more work, uh, even if it's just doing friggin' variant covers for some of these issues, and if you were going, and if you again you were going to do, if you were going to do covers that were supposed to you know covered you know different eras or or just decades that fit into the the 80th anniversary or whatever obviously Daryl Banks would be the 90s in, in almost everybody's head when it comes to drawing Green Lantern so Daryl should you know Daryl should have had a he should have had a cover so I I think I do think that's this I do think that's disappointing uh there's some of the other covers are I mean some of the other covers are not bad. I just think that the Yvonne, you know the Yvonne Hayes one that 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 is the one that gr- grabbed me immediately. But I think you're right though. I'm trying I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up all the covers now that Kyle one. The Kyle cool, one is I mean cool. I know I, yeah, I, I, agree. I I would I would want Daryl but like yeah, the Kyle one is cool. Yes, I would agree. That, I would agree. The Kyle one is, considering it's not Daryl, that that is, that is one that I did like. I'd be, I'd be lying if I said that uh, that I didn't like that cover. That is one of the ones that just, just drew me in when I saw it. But uh, as I, as I was scroll, you know, scrolling through them, um. The the one, I mean, none none of them, none of them are horrible certainly, but mm-hmm. I think that there's certainly some that stand out, and I, and we are you know we are pretty much in a we are pretty much in agreement the fact that uh about which ones that we think are the the standout anyway. Are you gonna go crazy like me and get all eight? 
the odds are no, but 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 I, I but because I have to see what I have to see what stories are in them too. I mean, mm. I mean, I'm looking at some of the covers now. The monkey cover isn't bad, but but it's that black hand looks freaky on that cover. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's monkey. And let's see the John's yeah the John's the the green the John Stewart Hal Jordan cover looks cool that's cool that's the Neil Adams cover right yeah that's uh, Neil Adams you can't tell no I, I I I could tell by looking at Hal I could tell yes it was kind of rhetorical in all honesty because but I do remember when they were giving the different uh, artists that drew it because now I'm just looking at the pictures I'm yeah. I'm, I'm at the the solicitations cover gallery it's not giving me the breakdowns. Uh, the Guy Gardner one sucks. They could have at least given us a better version of Guy Gardner. Um, Kyle is cool. Kyle is cool. Um, Nicholas Scott. Is that the one with Sinestro? Or is that the is that the is that the Kyle one? I think the one with Nicholas Scott is them uh, all them all lined up together on the front. Oh, that one. Yeah, that facing one's, the reader. Yeah, that one. That that one's. That one's not bad. I think, uh, hey, they got to actually have Abin Surther. Mm-hmm. And uh, the... Uh, Kid Lantern or whatever. The, yeah, Kid yeah, Lantern. Uh, Kyle's haircut looks a little weird. Uh, but, and they have your boy Alan right in the, in the middle. So that's cool. Jessica looks... Jessica doesn't really look Jessica-like entirely to me, but she looks... But it's kind of an interesting take. I like Guy in that one. Guy looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I uh, it I I would consider getting multiple covers, but I do want to see. I do want to see what the stories are first. So because if if I don't really if there's a lot of stories in there I I don't really like and or tons of stories that I already have, then I'm probably not going to be overly motivated to buy multiple covers. Um, but we'll see. I'll leave it. I'm going to leave that one up in the air. Uh, actually, I wonder if they're going to have a. <clears throat> I wonder if DCBS is going to have like a almost like a package of those. Probably not. Be curious to see. They probably don't. If they do, somebody let us know. Because I mean, I, I'm buying them all, but if I can save money, I'm you know spending eighty bucks on one comic before taxes is uh you know whatever. <laughs> it's probably too soon in the day for uh, for these for. Yeah, it's probably going to be a little, another another week or two before they would have have these listed. But I'll be curious to see when they list <clears throat> when they list all the covers to see what you know what the cover price is because that that might be worth if I'm if I do decide I want to get all the covers that might be be something worthwhile too potentially uh, if they if, if they had a package deal if they had a package deal to be able to For get sure. them all. Basically, we won't, won't. I guess that means when we see it in previews, that means that it'll be on DCBS. Right. Yeah. When DC, I've, I've, I've it's been a, the sad part is I would normally know this because I would, when I used to order from DCBS religiously back in the day, back in the day when we had tons of Green Lantern merchandise and I was getting, you know, a lot of power batteries and busts and a lot of things from, from them, that I would know exactly when they, because the current pre-order month is Feb is February. Uh, so that would probably mean that it's what the February previews, right? That's what it is. The February previews for, which maybe might, which might be for the April. Maybe that's for the April solicits. 
maybe, or something, maybe. Uh, yeah, because uh, I actually went through several issues of previews while I was in Dallas this past weekend, just so I could add some stuff to my, you know, I'm going to buy this when it comes out, and this when it comes out, just to give my things, myself some... Uh, give myself some uh, reminders on my phone so I know when to go get stuff. And, yeah, I have stuff in here for throughout the month of April. So so probably if – I rem- if, I, if I do remember correctly, it's, I might be like in the first – it might be like the first week of March. It might be the first week of the month is when they update to the next, to the next month's uh, previews orders. So that would be the time. That's probably going to be the time to look in the beginning of uh, – like maybe like around the f- – Somewhere between like the second and the fifth, somewhere in there. I think that's kind of when traditionally they did update and they swapped over from one previews to the next. So that would be the time that we could go out and take a look and see what a if they do offer any bundle and if not, just how much you know what they what they're you know what the covers are. So for sure. All right, if people want to reach us, how can they do that? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook, so if you want to follow us, you can use hashtag GLCast to locate us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So which, wherever you leave us or listen to us, excuse me, leave us a positive review. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708 Lantern, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.